Hello, 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 and happy Saturday. Happy Saturday indeed. Welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is episode number 53. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer, and you can find the show wherever you can find your favorite OutSports podcasts. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. It's all there. Download, listen, rate, subscribe. You know the deal. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this week's show more than you enjoyed the Super Bowl last week, unless you're the biggest Tom Brady fan ever, which I am not. Uh, but when I think of Brady, two things come to mind. Number one, I am certain he has the lowest tolerance among any man in his mid-40s. Uh, I mean, my goodness. But it makes sense, right? It makes sense. I mean, he doesn't even eat tomatoes because they have uh, too much sugar or something. So I can't imagine he drinks all that often, and that's what happens. Got your sea legs. I wonder how much he drank. Like two light beers, you know, a shot. What was it? I'm sure. I'm certain Gronk can out can out drink Brady. That's for sure. And the second thing that uh, comes to mind is you hear about all these really rich people, like Peter Thiel and Elon Musk. You know, all these guys who talk about how they want to live forever, and they don't only they don't only want to live forever. They want to stop aging entirely. And it's that belief that if you have enough money, anything can come true. Well, Tom Brady kind of shows that, well, if you have enough money, yeah, you can stop aging and maybe you will never die. He has still not reached his football mortality at 43 going on 44 years old, but it's true. You have enough money. You optimize your body for ultimate performance, you, you sleep in a hyperbaric chamber, you, 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 you know, deep tissue massage every day, multiple times a day, world-class food. It's, it shows that if you optimize your body for optimum performance, you can get that and you can stop aging and still be one of the best quarterbacks in football at 43, going on 44. So Tom Brady, in addition to being a seven-time Super Bowl champion, is now a beacon of hope for Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, and any other billionaire who wants to stop aging and never die. So there you go. Show this week. Last week, we talked with Esra Tuwalu, out former NFL player. Got some good feedback there. Thank you all. This week, we are getting away from the gridiron. That's right, getting away from the gridiron and Going to the stage, Britney Spears, Free Britney. The Framing Britney doc is so great. It's, 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 it touches on so many important angles and points. Gays are at the center of the Free Britney movement. Britney, of course, is a gay icon. David Beckham has called himself a gay icon. I learned this week <laughs> writing about his uh, deal to be the ambassador, an ambassador to guitar before the World Cup. Well, I mean, Beckham may be a self-proclaimed gay icon, but Britney is the real deal. She's the real deal, real gay icon. So, and framing Britney, what, what just, it got me thinking on so many levels, and I wanted to talk more about it. So that's what we're doing this week. Uh, coming up next, you'll hear my conversation with Jordan Miller, who's the founder and editor-in-chief of Breathe Heavy, the Britney fan site that started the Free Britney movement. He's been writing about it since the dawn of her conservatorship. For those who don't know, Britney Spears, just a little quick background here, Britney lost autonomy of herself, basically, and her finances 
in 2008 when she was placed in what they call a legal conservatorship controlled by her dad, Jamie Spears. What's conservatorship? It's an arrangement that's typically made for an elderly person or somebody with a cognitive impairment, basically an incompetent. That's what the arrangement is. And if you're in a conservatorship, you don't have control of your estate. Brittany doesn't have control of her person. And that's that's how she's lived for the last 12 plus years. So in recent years, and it started a decade ago with Jordan Miller and Breathe Heavy, but it's really gained steam over the last couple of years. The Free Britney movement, she's been touring, she's posting on social media, she doesn't seem like somebody who's incompetent and incapable, and there's this belief that Britney is being held against her will in this agreement, this binding legal agreement that's so hard to get out of, and she actually finally expressed that in court documents, saying she did not want her father in control of her estate and person anymore, and she actually has said she will not perform again until her dad is removed as the as the, as as the person in charge of her estate and her person. So that's where we are. Thursday there was a hearing in the Los Angeles Superior Court. The judge overruled Britney's father's objections to a third party, a bank that Britney wanted to be established as a co-conservator of her estate. So that's where we are now. Jamie is still at the top of the conservatorship, but he shares the billing now with a third party, a bank chosen by Brittany. Uh, Bessemer Trust is the uh, Bessemer Trust, rather, is the bank. So that's where we are with Brittany in the documentary, which is only like an hour, 15 minutes. It's on Hulu and also produced by the New York Times. So, yes, there you go. The gray lady chiming in here to the Free Brittany movement. And The documentary obviously covers a conservatorship and tells the story for those who were ignorant of it, like me, largely. But it's so powerful because of all the old clips they show and the way it's spliced together. And the first half really examines just how prevalent sexism was in this country not very long ago. We all know America is a sexist country. You have Ed McMahon in the early 90s asking a 10-year-old Britney if she has a boyfriend on TV. They ask a 17-year-old Britney about her breasts. But I'm talking about 05, 06, 07, 08, Kevin Federline, uh, Diane Sawyer doing a primetime interview with Britney, playing audio from the governor of Maryland's wife saying she wants to shoot Britney for being a bad role model. And then Diane Sawyer goes, you know, it's hard being a mom. Matt Lauer asking Britney if she's a bad mom, Matt Lauer, really? Talk about vomit-inducing. We destroyed this woman's life. And at the time, I was 11, 12, 13 years old. I can't say I was thinking all that much about Britney, but when I did think of her, I was thinking, yeah, look at that crazy person. She shaved her head. She's an unfit mother. I just believed what the tabloids fed me and what Network news at the time fed me. Michael Moore was the voice of reason. They replayed an old clip from CNN, a Larry King crossover with Anderson Cooper, and Anderson was leading off his show about the latest Britney drama, and Michael Moore just pipes in, you know, why don't we just leave her all alone? Let this woman live her life. So prophetic even then. But really, we destroyed this woman's life. It, it's, 
again, we're not breaking new ground talking about sexism in the U.S., but this was not long ago at all, and it was all over television, tabloids, magazines, and that's my other takeaway, too, from a culture standpoint. Celebrity culture is just so splintered now. We don't have the tabloid press. I mean, we still have it, but it's not nearly as powerful as it was due to social media, and all these megastars now have their curated feeds, and there's not as much of a need for tabloids. So structurally, it's all changed. And we also don't really have an equivalent of Britney anymore or Justin Timberlake, the, these mega omnipresent transformative pop stars. I guess the closest would be Beyonce, Lady Gaga, but even them, you know, the tabloids aren't after them. Like they were after Britney and others because of social media. And it's, it's a much more splintered existence, especially now in COVID, but really almost every social group has its own pop stars, right? Like the gays have Carly Rae and Dua Lipa and, you know, straight people have the weekend or whatever. <laughs> like that's it it's much more spread out now because we all consume different kinds of media. We're all what we're all watching different things on streaming platforms. Our social media feeds are all different from each other from one another. So that's why there are just so many more celebrities and and, and it's not nearly as universal and that's a good thing overall. And I don't think Many things are better today, 2021, than there were than they were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I really don't. I I think we are in the midst of the downfall of society. Not to get too optimistic about it, but but we do do this better. We are much less sexist. We are not sexist pigs quite as much as we once were, at least in terms of mainstream TV and media. And that's a good thing. So if you do want to feel good heading into the weekend. Tip, rest your, rest your, uh, rest your cap on that. Not as sexist as we were 10 years ago. So anyway, Jordan Miller, editor-in-chief of Breathe Heavy. He's coming up next to talk about the Free Britney movement, his important role in it, the documentary, and also there's a sports connection. He is a CrossFit fanatic and was trained by a legendary gymnast. Yes, a legendary Olympic gymnast. Jordan Miller used to do gymnastics as well growing up. He tells all those stories. That's on the other side. Thank you as always for listening. And welcome back to the show. It's the Sports Kiki Podcast. As I mentioned in the opening, super excited to get this guy on. Jordan Miller is the founder and editor-in-chief of Breathe Heavy and also a CrossFit aficionado, which we'll discuss as well. Jordan, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it, it, it's great to talk with you. I've been following you for a while, and especially the last week. Um, but before we get into framing Britney and everything there, I do want to talk about yeah. Breathe Heavy. It started as a Britney fan uh-huh. site in 2004, and 17 years later, I think it's pretty safe to say it's uh, it's blown up, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say I would say so. Um, but you know, it's interesting to, to look at it that way as, as, as blown up because, you know, from where I stand, um, it's been this long kind of arduous, but really fulfilling process over <laughs> more than half my life. Um, and I think, you know, just to kind of put this out there in the very beginning of this interview, if anyone's going to take away anything from this, it's that I am just very, very proud of Breathe Heavy and that. I feel like, um, you know, before giving too much context, I'm just very grateful that I think it amounted to something, that all this work has not been, you know, for nothing or arbitrary. It's, it's, it's made a difference. And for me, that's like 
one of the most, if not the most fulfilling things of my whole life, really. Yeah. And what exactly is Breathe Heavy for those who don't know? Because this is a sports audience, Jordan, you know, that may not be up as pop <laughs> yeah. music stands. How do you guys not know about Breathe Heavy? No. Um, Breathe Heavy is, uh, so I'll just, I'll just kind of like take it a step back further. Breathe Heavy started out as a Britney Spears fan site in 2004 mm-hmm. when I was a sophomore in high school and I'm 32 years old now. Um, and over the, over the years it's evolved and on the 10th anniversary of Breathe Heavy. So in 2014, I expanded it to cover pop music news as well as Britney. Um, but because there was such a huge following over the course of a decade with Britney that she's really the, you know, the star still of breathe heavy and, and, and now obviously because of all of the news coverage about her, people are, you know, running to breathe heavy now more than ever um, just to kind of try to wrap their heads around like, what is going on? Why is everyone talking about Britney right now? What is this conservatorship she's in? And Breathe Heavy has really been a staple um, throughout this entire conservatorship that she's been in for the last 13 years. How so? It's... Yeah, so uh, the reason why I think Breathe Heavy's been so important regarding coverage of Britney's conservatorship is because I personally started covering the conservatorship since day one. And because I had started out as a, as a fan site, just talking about her music and her being on tour, everything changed. Obviously, the trajectory of her life changed so significantly from when I first opened my site to when the conservatorship was first put in place in 2008. And why Breathe Heavy is so has such an important piece of this puzzle regarding the Free Britney movement and the conservatorship is because I personally was as far as I know, the first person to ever write the term free Britney, which is what I was signing off my posts with, uh, in 2009, a year after the conservatorship was made permanent. And so, wow. I was essentially, I was essentially one of one of, if not the first person to really publicly speak out against what I felt like and still feel like is a very unjust situation that Britney has been in and is still currently stuck in. Um, which led to a whole bunch of, you know, circumstances. And her dad tried at one point to like shut my website down and personally called me and threatened me like he would destroy me. And this has all created this very, all, it's all part of the fabric of what the magnitude of what Breathe Heavy has become. Okay, so I, so I need that story. Jamie, Lynn, uh, Jamie Spears called you and threatened to set, shut your site down? Yeah. Yeah, so essentially, like I mentioned, I was very outspoken against the conservatorship. And for anyone who's listening, I know it's a rabbit hole of information. There's just so much to absorb. But essentially, Jamie Spears is Britney's dad. And he, uh, in the very beginning stages, he's the one that put the conservatorship in place, right. essentially. And it, it was court approved. Um, but there's a whole issue with that. But I'll get into that later. Um, essentially, Mr. Spears became conservator over Britney as the person and, and as well as Britney, uh, her estate and her finances. So he could essentially legally control what doctors she saw, what lawyers she hired. She had right. actually attempted to hire her own lawyer and her dad got a restraining order against the guy. Like he's really legally has so much power. Um, he can essentially act on paper as Britney Spears. And I was very, very much against this because I'm thinking, how could, you know, this 
famous, iconic pop star go on tour, put out albums, do interviews, raise her children, but be deemed by the courts as someone who's incompetent. You know, it, it just did not make sense, and I was very against it right away. Um, and it really did take the compound effect of all of the, you know, news articles and just everything trying to cover this. Um, it took, it honestly took more than a decade, I think, for people to really, the general public to really grasp, like, this is no joke. This has seriously affected Britney's well-being. And I think we're 13 years in, and now there's just enough. There's too much, too many people, too many eyes on this. That I think I would, I would like to think that the court's going to make some change for Britney. I, I, I want to get into what led you to to start Free Britney and start weighing in on that before so many others did. But I, I first got to get the tea though on Jamie Spears. Did you talk to him? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the tea with that is I. Long story short, I was unofficially working on britneyspears.com at that time, um, essentially relaunching her website when she was kind of returning, um, so to speak, to, you know, the spotlight. And so I mentioned that because I had contacts with Britney's team at that point. That's, that's how this call that, that happened, you know, was initiated. And so essentially he um, had an assistant call me and she's like, I have Jamie Spears on the phone. <laughs> and I was I, was, I shit my pants. My pants yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, um, right. you know, I'm 19 years old. And, yeah, and wow. And this pop star that I, that I write about, you know, her dad's on the phone, and I just knew it was not going to be good, and certainly it was not. And he told me he was – he said, quote, I'm going to destroy your ass. <laughs> and and that's not honestly, the, I, I and not, not in a good way. I can't really <laughs> – no, no, definitely. I don't know if there's ever a good way. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah definitely not. And – you know, and from there, following that phone call, I, first of all, I broke down in tears um, after I got off the phone with him and, and was on the phone with the assistant because it was like a three-way call. And I just, I remember just like crying because I just didn't have the emotional capacity to be like, take a deep breath and like handle it. I was just like too young and didn't know and I kind of crumbled. And then, and then following that call, I got an email from Britney's lawyers because remember he can act as Britney on paper. So essentially he can, he could potentially sue me as Britney Spears in some capacity. Um, and, and got an email from her lawyer saying I had to shut my website down within 24 hours. Um, and they cited copyright infringement. Um, essentially I had some, I had lyrics of Britney's songs on my website and that's what they cited uh-huh. as why I needed to shut my site down. But it was like, if we read between the lines, <laughs> right. we clearly can see this is an attempt to silence me. And I, 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 I didn't know what to do. So I played along at first and I, I wrote this letter and I explained to people that this is not my choice. I'm being forced to shut Breathe Heavy down. And then I think about 48 hours later, I thought, you know what? Like, this is my baby like breathe heavy is everything to me i'm i just can't i can't abandon it like this i can't go out like this and i reopened the site and fortunately they didn't pursue anything after uh they'd never ever followed up fortunately didn't have to actually go to any sort of court hearing or anything like that um but but it did fracture my relationship with her team moving forward and it took many many years for me to kind of attempt to mend that and not be seen to them as a threat or, you know, someone that's going to present problems for them. 
So, and and, uh, and and what year did this happen? This happened in 2009. 2009. Okay, so so the conservatorship uh, happens in 2008, and you know at the time, as you saw, as we saw in the Framing Britney documentary, uh, she was portrayed as this crazy woman or crazy girl, even who just is unfit and uh, you know can't take care of herself. So, what made you start to say, you know, so quickly after? Uh, I don't think this is right. I want to start speaking about this and finding out more. Yeah, well, actually, I don't necessarily agree with that assessment. I think that the documentary portrayed her in more of a sympathetic. No, way no, I agree with from... that. I'm sorry, I don't mean to... I agree with that. I'm saying the media portrayal of her at the time was very uh, was sexist, and as you know, she was portrayed as an unhinged. I mean, Matt Lauer asked her if she's a bad mom, mm-hmm. which is just vomit-inducing on so many levels. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That was what what caused you, I guess, to kind of see through that before so many other people did. I think I think when you're a big fan of somebody's, you you can set the the noise aside, and you you see them. I think obviously through the lens of being a fan and being someone you don't actually know them, um, but something about this artist or whoever you tend to look up to, there's something about there's something kind of almost magical about them, and and I had seen so many amazing positive things that Brittany had done throughout the, her career and how many people she's helped. And that was just not a, that was just not a thing in 2007, 2008. And keep in mind, I was actively writing about Britney Spears at that point. Like I had already been a couple years into my breathe heavy career. Um, and yeah, the media portrayal of her was that she's crazy and that she just was erratic and no one really stopped to pause to think about <laughs> the circumstance that she's in that she has, you know, 30 paparazzi following her literally at any second of the day and just everything that everything that happened to her, no one stopped to think like, maybe she's going through, you know, a hard time. Maybe she's having uh, struggles with her, her mental health or, or maybe she could use support. And I think we're in a, I think we're in a place now in society where I do tend to think that we've learned our lesson. And I think Brittany was a huge part of that. Um, but back then it was, it was really convenient to tear her down because it was also, it was also lucrative to do so. There was a whole like business side of writing about Brittany Spears, taking her photograph and, and selling it to the magazines. And nobody, the gravitational pull of that was too great for anyone to want to stop and actually think like, are we <laughs> doing some damage, like major damage to this woman? Yeah, and a photograph of her would sell for millions. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's really the tabloid culture, and that's kind of one of my takeaways, one of the many from watching the doc, is that I feel like our celebrity culture is so much more splintered now, and I think that's a good thing, you know? Like, kind of each social group has their own pop stars even, right? Like, the gays have Carly Rae and Dua Lipa and... You know, straight people have like the weekend, I guess. Like, but you know what I'm saying? It's 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 very, yeah. it's much more splintered now. And I don't think any female pop star would ever get treated like that today. And that's and that's a great thing. I think I think a big part of that is that Britney's Britney's whole career was also on like on track with like the rise of the internet and social media. And social media wasn't necessarily a thing you know, in 2007, like we had MySpace, but it wasn't, it wasn't a way for stars to really connect with their fans. 
Right. I mean, it was more of a, a, a promotional official tool. Um, and now we have artists that, you know, can reach out every single day and talk to, you know, their fan base and vice versa. The fans reach back out <laughs> and respond. But that wasn't a thing, you know, with Britney back then. Um, so I think that social media, which is not a bad thing, um, but I think it is it is the reason why, you know, fan bases are and, and artists are quote unquote splintered now versus before. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's led to the downfall of tabloid culture, which uh, I don't think is a bad thing either. Um, it is amazing that we just kind of truly ruined this woman's life. I mean, all the sexism in the media that wasn't that long mm-hmm. ago, Jordan. This was just 10 years mm-hmm. ago in some instances. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But in an in internet world, 10 years is, is a total lifetime yeah. too. That's true. So, so, so I want to talk. Yeah. So, I, I want to talk to you about the phenomenon of Brin- Britney's Instagram page. How does that play into all of this? <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. I think the number one thing that people tend to want to know about her Instagram, aside from like, why, why, why is she? You know, why does this post exist? Um, is is Britney the one behind these posts? Truly, is this her caption? Did she did she want this photo or video to be posted online? And there, the one of the recurring themes with Brittany is that there's just such a lack of transparency, really, because what we're talking about is someone's personal life and a legal situation they're in. And it's I can understand from Brittany's you know point of view not wanting to necessarily open up about these really, really personal and intimate sides of her life. However, at the same time, I think because she hasn't opened up and because she hasn't directly addressed things there, it opens the door for so many, so much more speculation. And I think that that fuels things in, in, in kind of a negative way. And I think a lot could be done if she just was like very upfront about it. But I think that she potentially could feel like, so much has been taken from her against her will, really, that she's just not going to offer this up. And in terms of her Instagram, her social media manager recently put out a statement saying, like, because, essentially because she, she was targeted online and, and bullied for a really, really long time. And her name's Kathy. And she put out a statement recently, I think like two weeks ago, Saying Brittany, the what you see on Brittany's Instagram, it's her decision. She's if you see a certain video edited a certain way, Brittany edited it. If if she didn't edit it, and we did, it's because she requested us to do it that way. And the captions are Brittany's. Essentially, is what the statement said. And I personally tend to believe that at face value because I can't imagine, you know, a statement like that. I'm sure had to be filtered through you know, Britney's lawyers, <laughs> like you can't just say that um, because you're feeling passionate about that. Like, yeah. you know, Britney's still also the Britney brand and things have to be, you know, passed along and confirmed and all that. So I'd like to think that they put that statement out, not because they're trying to pull the wool over people's eyes still. Um, I think that it's, it's true. I do think Britney has more control over her Instagram than people give, I guess, her credit for. Um which, which I say that because it adds a whole, like, kind of context to now viewing her post and what does she mean with this caption and, and why did she want people to see this? 
Um, and really, I mean, we could write a whole entire, we could do a, a whole other podcast about her Instagram because it's just, there's just a wealth of information and, um, content there. Well, I, I do have to ask you quickly though. I mean, what do you make of her first statement with the toxic video? Um, what do I make of it? I think, you know, I think it was a step closer towards addressing the really large elephant in the room. Um, and I think she said something to the effect of like, I'm just trying to live a normal life. And I personally, as much as I want to see Britney the pop star and, and Britney hit the stage and put out new music and all that, I think the first step towards, you know, healing and becoming your real, your own person is having a sense of self-awareness. And so for her to, to say, I'm, I'm just trying to live a normal life. I'm, I'm not trying to be this pop star, you know, right now. Um, I think that was great. I think I think so much of her life has been out of her control, and it appears to me she's cut a lot of people off, and including her own dad. And that's why I think, you know, it's not, it seems like she's living her life as much on her own terms as she possibly can. I think she'll. I think there will be so much healing done for her once this situation legally changes and her dad's especially her dad being out of the picture i think that's the number one thing like the fact that she stated on the record she's afraid of her dad and that she's refusing to work because as a protest to this conservatorship because when she works he makes a commission and she's tired of giving him her hard-earned money and so i think she's doing her best to live her life on her own terms right now and you know, it's like her Instagram content, I, I'll agree, is <laughs> can be bizarre, uh, certainly. But it's like these aren't necessarily signs that you keep somebody trapped in a legal restraint so binding that they can't escape it. You know, yeah. it, the, the punishment doesn't <laughs> justify, you know, what's going on here. Yeah, and Brittany hasn't performed since she uh, ended her, her Vegas, her second Vegas uh, uh, thing, right, in 2019. Yeah, yeah, she did. She she did like this brief summer tour. Okay. Um, yeah. a little after piece of me in Vegas ended, but it was essentially it was the same show. They just kind of took it on the road in a more condensed version with like less set pieces and I think less songs. And but yeah, she hasn't performed in in a, in a little while now. Uh, so I do want to go back a little bit and just ask you, why did you first fall in love with Britney, and why do you think Britney means so much to to gay men? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, first, I, you know, have this this love for Brittany, I think, um, because I, it's actually interesting that you tie those two questions together, because I do think that a lot of gay men do, for some reason, have, like, their favorite pop or, you know, their favorite female singer, whether it's Brittany or Madonna or Celine Dion. For some reason, gay men kind of gravitate towards yes. these, like, pop icons. And... I think it's because, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think it's because women are oftentimes very much criticized and, and sometimes can't uh, pu- publicly be themselves, especially, I don't necessarily think maybe as much now, but c- certainly still. And I think gay men growing up have to also face some kind of aspect like that. Like they can't be their true selves because they fear the stigma of coming out or their dynamic with their family could change. And it's just like this kind of fear-based process in the beginning. And then it becomes very liberating once you, uh, you know, face it. And I think that, you know, pop, 
pop queens like Britney, <laughs> there's a whole like parallel to that as well. Um, but for me, I, I personally, it's hard to put my finger on like, why did I choose Britney over anyone else? You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, clearly she has this, this X factor that I think a lot of people can recognize. And she, and, and the thing is my love for her has changed so obviously so drastically from when I was, you know, a kid to now. Um, now I, I mean, when I was a kid, it was like, you didn't even have a thought process. You're just like queen, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just love her. I just love her. Like she's, you know, she's in the schoolgirl outfit. She's yes. so cool. And, and now as an adult and especially having intimately covered every single, you know, detail about her conservatorship and she's really documenting her life these last 16, 17 years. I have grown to just truly respect her resilience and her strength because what she's going through right now is, is no joke. It is tough. And to see her still, you know, posting Instagram videos where she's dancing and smiling and, you know, posing with roses in her hair. And I'm just like, yeah, this is a tough situation and who knows what goes on, you know, when that camera's, you know, not on her and she's not posting on Instagram, but what she's trying to show the world is that she's still she's still that girl she's still strong and i just have a, a respect for that it's, it's it's not easy to do that what's your favorite britney song to listen to and by the way i your analysis is he- is i think spot on about britney and gays and and, and everything uh, really really well said but i do want to ask what is um what's your favorite britney song to listen to while you're doing crossfit or working out well, first of all, thank you. Um, and my favorite Britney song to work out to, uh, I did. I do have a playlist that is like it's got more than seven hundred songs, and there's a lot of Britney on it. Um, so maybe I could pass that link along to you guys. On, it's on Spotify. Um, it, and I mean, look, I know this is like a very go-to answer for a gay and Britney, but I love "Give Me More." Yes. Um, because it's just a banger, and. <laughs> <laughs> and the song the song came out before all of this shit happened and it kind of is nostalgic and it still sounds fresh um so i definitely play that a lot and then obviously you gotta you gotta play work bitch yes <laughs> because of course she's literally talking work about bitch. like trying to get a hot body and, and getting to work and <laughs> i'm very much a person with like the do work spirit yes. uh, especially because crossfit is so you know intense and just demands so much mental and physical energy from you so i like this idea of like getting to work and 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 putting my nose to the grind and all that i'm always fascinated by crossfit people what what got you into it <laughs> me too <laughs> um what got me into crossfit well i started out uh, i grew up as a gymnast actually and i competed till i was about 18 years old and my coach is you honestly guys after this podcast google him his, his name is vitaly sherbo he is one of the most decorated gymnasts of all time. Uh, like, took first place at the 92 Olympics and second at the 96. Like, a Russian man. He's very, very intense. Okay. So he, yeah, so he taught me a lot about being dedicated and, and working hard. And there was a lot of ups and downs growing up as a gymnast. Um, but that really instilled in me also to work hard and to be fit and there was a point in my life where I was kind of in a, no pun intended, a toxic relationship. 
and I kind of let myself go a lot and was really unhealthy. And I just decided one day I'm never going to be this person ever again. And I started training at, I got hired a personal trainer. I got my ass back into shape. And then I met my coach at this gym that I was doing personal training at and took all of his classes. And long story short, he was like, he was like, I'm quitting and I'm opening up my own CrossFit thing in my garage. And would you want to join it? And I was like, should I leave this posh gym <laughs> for this guy's garage? And I did. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. That was almost eight years ago. And I trained literally, literally five or six times a week ever since. I, I rarely don't train that much. Um, simply because I get so much out of it. It just truly helps me with breathe heavy and just being healthy and I know the CrossFit is very like it has this reputation of being very like cult like and all yes. that. <laughs> um and I totally get the vibe. I'm not gonna lie, I'm one of those people that like encourages others to like, you can do it and just just give it a chance and, and I, I'm the one screaming at people in the workouts like, do one more rep and all like I am that guy. Um and I'm like, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty proud of it, and it's just transformed my life in such a profound way. I'm that way with yoga. I, I think if you find a, a workout thing right. that, that really works for you all the time, you will not know how many, how many of my friends I go, oh, your shoulders are too up. you got to put your shoulders back. Here, do this bind with me. I'm like doing yoga on the mm-hmm. kitchen floor. So I'm the same way. You find <laughs> something that works for you physically and spiritually, you want to push it on others. Oh, I'm super jealous because... You know, in the CrossFit world, there's something called Ramwad, which is has a likeness to yoga, but it's it's a little bit there's I, I don't know. It's not as as in my opinion, like as much of the art of yoga as yoga is. And yoga I used to do yoga a couple times a week. Yeah. And this was years ago. And I loved it and I wanna do it now and I keep procrastinating because the the idea of like pausing my mind for some reason, it's like that's hard to do and to stop your train of thought. Yeah, this this is just temporary. That's what that's that's what they yeah. say. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just, just just to live in the moment and and for some reason I find myself not wanting to do that because it's almost like seductive to be to be in this rat race of like go here, do this, do mm-hmm. this job, do this. Da, 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 da. And, and your mind tends to be like, no, you got to keep going. You got to keep doing this. And, and so I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you've inspired me to kind of like slow down a little bit, um, and enjoy the moment and, and, and be with myself and do yoga. Man, that, that's the first time anyone's ever said that to me that I've caused them to slow down. <laughs> but, uh, but, and, and I, and I'll, and I'll hit the CrossFit gym too. And then we can compare war stories. Uh, Jordan Miller, I will. You mentioned a, you got a job. I will let you get to yours. So uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Before I let you go, though, how can the people find you on social? Oh uh, well, first of all, thank you for this opportunity, and, and to anyone who's listening, thank you for making it this far into the podcast. Just greatly appreciated. You guys can find me. I'm on Instagram. My my handle. Get ready. Is it's Jordan Miller, bitch. Um, <laughs> Where'd you get? And please, if you guys want to visit Breathe Heavy, just go to breatheheavy.com. And if you feel inspired, I encourage you to register an account. It's completely free. It takes less than 30 seconds. And you're going to be joining a community of just really amazing people. Jordan, thank you so much, man. Thank you. I'll hopefully talk to you soon. 
You hear that? Vitaly Sherbo. That's no joke. For those who don't know, he was the most successful athlete at the 92 Summer Olympics, winning six of eight events. So, no joke, huh? Jordan was a real gymnast. Uh, yeah, Belarusian, competed for the USSR, Vitaly Sherbo. So, serious gymnast, now a serious CrossFit guy, and one of the leaders of the Free Britney movement. Busy week for him, a big week for him, so I thank him for coming on. And if you have any guest or topic ideas, I say this every week, I mean it, and I love getting DMs from listeners. It's nice to know I'm not just talking into the abyss. Find me on Twitter, at AlexReamer1 is my name. Thank you always. Thank you as always. We'll talk to you next time on the show next Saturday.